0: No good amen i'll tell you what our singing today has been unto the lord and it's been worship i thank god for that i tell you what choir put that back in your uh that one you sung this morning was beautiful i mean it was one of the best songs y'all have ever sung and i hope y'all put that in y'all's uh christmas cantata. i mean cantata amen uh whatever that is amen special singing that was wonderful amen i meant to say something about that right before i preach, but uh I was nervous and just got right to the message, but that was tremendous, and the song that Brother Randy sang, best he's ever sung, so praise God, and then Brother Hayden come brought his own photographer and uh, recorded it while he his brother recorded that thing, and I'm going to tell you something, that's all right, that's more important than three pointer, that's more important than a touchdown, that's more important than winning the SEC championship. There I go bringing that up again. Uh, you know, it's, it's more important. It's just more important. It's just more important the things we do for God than these flimsy things we do that, that pass away and are temporal. And so if you want to take a video of your brother singing, have at it. Praise God. Keep it and show it to the lower Chatsworth area or whatever you, wherever y'all live. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's go to preaching. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. glad to see such a good crowd tonight. And uh, thank the Lord for uh, the way he moved this morning. But I only preached one point. I didn't have a poem. I just uh, preached on one soul. We're going to the parable of the souls. We see in verse 1, if you'll stand on the word of God, it says, He began again to teach by the seaside. There was gathered in him a great multitude. So he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Now most preachers would have said that's the goal of my life, is see a big crowd, a lot of commotion, and a lot of people coming to a place. But I believe most of those people were coming to see another miracle. They were coming to see another sign. They were coming to see another wonder. The Bible says, an adulterous in generation seeketh after a sign. I want to tell you what we ought to seek after, the Savior. Amen. You'll find plenty of signs after you see the Savior. But folks, listen, he taught them and started narrowing down the crowd. Now, that's not easy. Uh, and that's not what we would preach probably. We want to have a crowd so we preach a commodious ser- sermon so we attract people. That's called pragmatism. Just get a crowd any way you can. But look at verse 2. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his, in, in his doctrine. I love doctrine, don't you? That's teaching. Hearken, behold, they were out uh, a sower to sow. There went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. That's the one I preached on this morning. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on the stony ground, and it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up and scorched, and because it had no roots, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, third soil. And the thorns grew up, choked it, and yielded no fruit. I want you to underline the two words, no fruit. That tells you if you're saved or not. Fruit. By the fruits, you'll know them. And others fell on good ground. And this is what I want to major tonight on. And did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And so they came to him and said, we don't understand that. And so privately He interpreted, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, uh, verses 13 through 20 uh, that I'll refer to during the sermon. Let's uh, let's be seated as we pray, amen. Father, thank you for the good singing, bless my heart to hear these good songs and God, thank you Lord for the choir this morning and how you touched our hearts uh, about why you came and Lord, we thank you dear God that you came to us and a lot of people wasn't looking for you. And they weren't hungry for you. And they weren't even ready for you. And God, there's many today that have hard hearts. There's many today that have soul that's crowded. And God, there's many that are just confused. And so, Lord, help us, God, to be that kind of soul where your gospel can penetrate, but not just penetrate, but die and then be uh, buried and resurrected in our soul for newness of life. God, thank you. We're not looking for a plan, we're looking for a person. We're not looking for another program, we're looking for a person. And Lord, we're saved by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. So thank you, God, for your grace, that is sufficient. And we'll praise you and thank you for speaking to hearts tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. The parable of the soul, folks, a parable is a common everyday event of life set close to a deep thing of God so we can understand it it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that's what he spoke on that's how he spoke 60 parables in the gospel he used and folks the parable of the soul is one of the best ones and the sower of course um, is the Lord Jesus Christ and we're to be a sower but the seed is the word of God there's power in the seed nobody can reproduce a a seed that's planted, an acorn is planted, turns into an oak tree. People tried to put the life element in it. They can't do it. Folks, it's of God that life. And folks, the gospel is powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. And then the soul, that represents hearts and minds and wills. You know, you, uh, you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe with all your heart. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The heart is the mind, the will, and the emotion. As a man thinketh in his heart, you don't think with this pump right here. You think with this right here, amen. And some of you said, oh me, I'm going to preach on my feeble mind, amen. But I want to tell you this, friend, God help us if we don't realize the heart is the mind, will, and emotion. And when you give your heart to Jesus, and a lot of times we're guilty of this saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and we're saying, invite Jesus into your heart. You point right here to this pump. Folks, it's much more than this pump. It's the whole body, will, and soul. When you get saved, God moves in and revolutionizes your life. Say amen. It's not just some little uh, flare prayer because you think you're going to hell, and it's not just some uh, emotional experience that you feel like you need to get saved. Folks, when you get saved, you give your life to Jesus, and the Holy Ghost comes in and resides in your heart, and it is a miracle. Now don't get over it, say amen. Somebody smile about it. Somebody nod and come back up. Somebody say amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank God you ought to be glad that you're saved. But I want to tell you something, a lot of times people uh, think they're saved when they're not saved. And I don't try to talk anybody out of their salvation. The Holy Ghost will do that. And if you can be talked out of it, you're probably not saved. I dare you try to talk me out of it. I got saved with an 11 half year old drunk, son of a drunk. I wasn't drunk. And thank God I'm glad of that. But I want to tell you something, I probably would have been a drunk if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost intercepting my life, and I was born into the family of God. And folks, I look back to that day, uh, March 15, 1964, uh, on a Sunday night, the preacher preached on hell, and I got saved, and I'm going to heaven. I'm sure of that. I'm absolutely sure. And if you're not sure of it, uh, you, you're in trouble. You need to have blessed assurance that Jesus is yours. And these parables, this parable of the four soul will help you. Number one, we, see, we saw this morning the closed mind, the closed heart. Uh, they didn't The Bible says in Matthew 13:19, it's always good to uh, study the other uh, gospels that uh, 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 Matthew picked up. He said they didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. Now folks, uh, salvation is not just getting smart enough. Salvation is getting wise enough to realize you need Jesus. And also to listen to the Holy Ghost and say, hey, listen, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. But folks, maybe they were steeped in sin, maybe they were callous and cold because of the things of God, but they really didn't hear it. They became hard hearted. And I know I got off on a little tangent this morning, but I believe it was a rabbit that needed to be hunted and shot down. Folks, do not get hard hearted. Don't get so used to the gospel that you despise it. In other words, you take it for granted and that you come and go as you feel like going. You ought to be disciplined people that come to the house of God because, folks, you need the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you could see the warfare out there against your soul, you would come crawling to this place, and if your car broke down, you'd hitchhike. Say amen. Because, friend, I'm going to tell you something. There is a war raging, and we need the word of God. We need to grow in the Lord. So the seed was good. Say amen right there. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. What was, what was the problem was the soul was unprepared to receive it. And folks, the seed could not penetrate it. called the wayside. That's the path leading around it. That's the, it was hard as that carpet right there. As hard as that concrete underneath it. And some hearts are as hard as that. They're not listening. You preach to you blue in the face. Uh, you can restrict and discipline to their, bl- you're blue in the face. And if a person has a hard heart, maybe because of personal training, he was brought up not in church. You ought to thank God your parents brought you to church. I was I was on drugs when I was four years old. I was drugged to Sunday school, drugged to church, drugged Sunday night. I was drugged on Wednesday night. I went to RAs, GAs. I'm t- tell you what, we had a work day. We went there. I mean, praise God. I even had to go to the, sit in the hallway when my wife was in a, uh, my wife my mama was in the ladies meeting i mean i was in church all the time i thought is this the only place to be and i want to tell you something i thank god for a mother like that i thank god that a mama brought me to the house of god and she told me all she says you ain't gonna turn out like your bloomed daddy that's what she said she said that right straight out she said you ain't gonna turn out like him you're going to church and by the way she didn't stop there she made him go to church he didn't eat on Sunday if he didn't go to church, hallelujah, amen. My mother was a sergeant, amen, but, but she got me to the house of God and I indebted to her and I love her and thank her for that so much and when I get to heaven, I'm going to thank, thank her for making me go to church when I didn't want to. You say, I don't think you ought to make somebody go to church. Hey, you ever took somebody to the doctor when you didn't feel like going, amen? been trying to get my wife to go all week. I got two doctor's appointments this week and I said, I think I'm just going to boycott all doctors. You ain't going, I ain't going. It didn't work. I'm still going, but I'll tell you this, folks: a person's training and upbringing makes them hard-hearted. You ought to thank God you was brought up in the house of God. Uh, Disuse makes you hard-hearted. I mean, as I said this morning, I took Spanish in high school. A student couldn't speak it, but I was a student on paper, and I can't speak a word of it right now. Only word I remember is "aquí," here. That means I was answering a row. The word of God does not touch them when they're hard-hearted. It's sin. Trampling down uh, your soul. Don't get insensitive to the Spirit of God. That's why I insist when people come to the house of God, they listen and not play games or text. If you see anybody texted in this church, grab their phone and throw it in the sound room. I'm only kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please, please don't do that. I'm only kidding. Only kidding. Pharisees dismiss John's preaching as devilish. Mark chapter 3. They called Jesus possessed by the devil and that his works were of the devil. And he said, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Festus cried out to Paul and said, thou art mad." I want to get to the second heart, the confused mind. Uh, folks, in ca- the, the case of Mr. Temporary, just temporary, in case of a wayside here, I want you to look at verse 5. It says this, And someone, some fell on the stony ground where he had much... which had not much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth but when the sun was up it was scorched and because it had no roots it withered away and look at verse 16 for the interpretation of it verse 16 mark chapter 4 you with me look at you got your bible amen we're not palm readers we're bible readers say amen look at verse 16 don't try to read my face that'll be discouraging too read the bible these are they, it says, these are they likewise that are that sowed on stony ground, and when they had heard the word immediately received it with gladness. But look at verse 17. And have no root in themselves, and so endured, and so endured but for a time. And afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they were offended, or they quit. Now, folks, I want to tell you something, friend. I don't believe in lordship salvation for a second. I believe you get saved just as you are, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow and you grow. Amen? But I want to tell you something, friend. Often people think they're backslidden when they actually never been saved. The kind of soul speaks of a mind that makes an emotional response to the presentation of God. It said they gladly received. Gladly received. Folks, they received it with gladness. That means they were stirred emotionally, and that's all right. But folks, if that's all you've got is emotion, you're, you don't, you're, not, you're not saved. You need to give your will to God. You need to give your life to God. You need to give your heart to God. You need to give your mind to God, not just your emotions. Some people say, well, uh, how do you know you're saved? You say, well, I, I tingled when I came down the aisle, or I felt this. I want to tell you something. If you go by that, you'll be the most fickle Christian in the world. You'll be up, and you'll be down. You'll be up. The, this is just what I need, you say, when you got saved. Uh you uh, say, well, I guess I'll try Jesus this time. Folks, it's not trying Jesus, it's trusting Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you, maybe you went down the aisle because a bunch of friends went down the aisle. And folks, maybe you just uh, trusted Jesus as a spare tire. You just said, hey, listen, <clears throat> i got to have him as emergency r- rations instead of daily bread. I've tried everything else, and I'll just run to him now that I'm in trouble and... <clears throat> And when I when the trouble passes, I'll abandon it. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That kind of heart's not saved. That's what the Bible says. There's only one heart in this parable that was saved, and that's the one that brought fruit. So you they know they know that you're saved because you pass from death into life. Amen. And you love the brethren, folks. There's a fruit of salvation. Uh, maybe though they heard a shallow presentation of the gospel about the benefits but they didn't hear anything about repentance or conviction. And folks, I want to tell you something. Unless you're convicted, there is no conversion. You can't come on your terms. you got to come on his terms. Say amen. And I want to tell you something. I believe in Holy Ghost conviction. Amen? A lot of people don't believe in that. They just believe, hey, you just pray a prayer and, uh, and uh, you're saved. Well, I want to tell you something. You can pray all the prayers you want to, you can have all the emotional experiences you want to, but you need real repentance. Repentance. You say, well, I don't see the word repentance anywhere in the book of John, but I'll tell you one thing. I see belief, and it's synonymous with repentance. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you turn to Him. See, I believe there is a Khrushchev, or was a Khrushchev, but I'm not a communist. If I believed in Him, I'd follow Him. See, I man, you get my drift here. There's something about believing about God and believing in God. When you believe in someone, you follow them. Say amen. I mean, there's a change of path. There's a change of life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, but all things become new. And so this soul was shallow. It was crowded. And these people were confused. They thought they could use God as emergency rations. Now, I believe God causes tragedy to get your attention. But I believe the greatest way to get saved is Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says this. Or just, it, Let's go to verse 3. It says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things? And do it the same; thou shalt <clears throat> shall escape the judgment of God. <clears throat> or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and the forbearance of His long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? I want to tell you what draws to repentance: seeing the goodness of God. Because God was so good to come to this earth and die on the cross and take your hell. That's good. That's a good God. That's a gracious God. That's a loving God. And I don't know why people shun the loving goodness of God. Oh, folks, listen, he's more than a spare tire. He's more than just an emergency ration. He's the Savior of the world. And he wants to save your soul. And it's not through some flimsy gospel presentation saying you can go to heaven if you'll just say a prayer. You can go to heaven if you'll give your heart and life to Christ. And believe in your heart. The only sin that will send you to hell is unbelief. Get that straight now. I'm not Calvinist. And I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Because I'm going to tell you something. My daddy never disowned me. And he probably should have. But he was a good daddy. But I got a better father in heaven that will never disown me. He'll never divorce me. He loves me no matter what. And I'm glad he does, but folks, it's not a license to sin. It's a license to love him, and it's also a license to stay sensitive, not oversensitive to people hurting your feelings and this and that and the other. But I mean, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and sensitive to His leading. So you know, you know, you get some people get saved, and you have to have the FBI to find them on Wednesday night. They, they, have, they, get, they have trouble with uh, simple matters like church attendance, prayer, reading their Bible. They have a difficult time making a genuine lasting break from their sins. They really get in trouble when it says you ought to pick up your cross and identify with Christ. They make a profession often running well for a time and then right, right back into the world. Well, they just backslid. No, I really don't believe they got saved. I'm not a judgmental person, but I'm a fruit inspector, and I believe by their fruits you'll know them. And I believe if if you ain't got enough salvation to get you back in the house of God on Sunday night after you get saved on Sunday morning, something's dead wrong. If you like NFL football more than you do Jesus, after Jesus saved you, something's wrong. Folks, if you can't read your Bible and pray and be faithful in church, <clears throat> something's wrong. Now, some people backslide pretty quick, but some people never never upslid. The Bible says in 1 John 3 9 that we should uh, uh, have a change of life so much that we sin not. Look at it. 1, Peter 3, 1 John 3 9. 1 Peter 3 9. I got your attention on that one. Because I know there's nobody in this room that doesn't sin at least once a week. Some of you sin once a day. Some of you probably have a hard time not sinning once an hour. We're all sinners, amen? I mean, that's not a license a sin. But I want to tell you something. First John 3, 9 will stir your heart. It says, whosoever is born of God. I'll give you seven borns of God in the book of First John to close out this sermon. But it says, "Doth not commit sin. Would you, t- would you open your Bible and read that for a second? Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now, folks, that seed penetrated, and that seed revolutionized that person's heart. That seed's the Holy Spirit. He cannot sin. He will not sin. But he that's born of God doth not commit sin. What's that mean? You don't live in habitual sin. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Abraham lied. Didn't he, Sunday school teachers Called his wife his sister. Now, that was a dangerous lie. Could not. Always confess your wife, man. Praise God. Don't ever deny her. Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. Peter cussed, but he wasn't a cusser or a curser. It was an exception, not a profession. And don't tell me that a person is saved and he just keeps on sinning. And he keeps on sinning and he gets saved and he never shows up again, never wants to get baptized, never wants to go to Bible study, never wants to go to Sunday school, never wants to go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. You better check up because your fruit is showing. You may fall but I want to say this, if you're truly saved, you will not stay away. They knew that they were not of us because they went away from us, the Bible says in 1 John 2. See, I'm going to tell you something, friend. Once you get saved, let me tell you what happens. There's either a change or a chastisement. Amen. Come on now. I knew that I was the son of Lily B. Cofield because I never got away with anything with that lady. She knew how to ha- She knew how to get a hickory switch and straightened me out in a real quick hurry. You say, that was child abuse. I'd turned into Planned Parenthood. Hey, listen, I didn't turn out that bad. I lost all my hair, but she didn't whip me on the head. She she whipped me where it ought to be whipped, on the backside, on the seat of education with the Board of Learning. Say amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. I knew I was her child. Nobody else treated me like that. Amen. They better not. I'd probably hit them back. (laughs) Or tried to. But my mama... I submitted. Why? She's my mama. Should have been my daddy. My daddy wasn't sober long enough to, to whoop me. I got a lot, away with a lot with him. But I want to tell you something, friend. I knew I was his, her child. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastens every son he receives. The Bible says in verse 8 that you're a bastard or illegitimate if you do not receive chastening. That's a good King James word, by the way. You know what they're saying? You're not saved. If you can sin and get away with it, you're not saved. And folks, if you can make a profession of faith and get over in about a week, you better check up. I'm not going to say you're not saved. I'm not the judge here. But the Holy Spirit's saying, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Number three, the cluttered heart. We got the confused heart. We got the closed heart. Now we got the cluttered heart. Look at verse 7, Mark chapter 4. Y'all getting anything out of this? It says, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Let's go to the interpretation that he gave the disciples in private, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entered in, choked the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Now folks, this soil looks like it's ready to be sown. But underneath the surface are living roots and seeds of thorns and weeds. The soil has been tilled and, and the thorns have been cut down, but the roots are alive and well and just under the surface. And when the seed falls here, the, it springs to life quickly and gives a very indication that a good harvest will follow then the se- when the seed springs to life the thorns and the weeds that's already there choke that tender little plant. The young tender plant withers and dies without producing any fruit at all. This is a picture of a person who tries to have the benefit of the gospel while clinging to his own life and clinging to this world and their heart is filled with other things. The seed will have the ground Or sin will have the ground. It's not going to be shared. And folks, are you really, uh, is a person like that really saved? Well, according to this scripture, no. How do we know? Because no fruit. No fruit. Folks, listen. Some people say, well, they're backslidden. They're carnal. Well, they might be, but you better check up. You better check up because, folks, if you let the word of God be choked by riches, And pleasure, a man may smother his spiritual life by the passion of amusement. I have a hard time with people that have everything to do on Sunday except worship God. I mean believers. I mean people say, I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. I'm spared from hell. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And thank God uh, He's changed my life. He's changed everything about me. And I'm going to tell you what He really changes. He changes you want to. I cuss as much as I want to. I drink as much as I want to. I run around on my beautiful wife of 45 years. 46. 46. Kyle, get this straight when you get married, amen? Remember it all the rest of your life. I run around on her as much as I want to. But the thing is, I don't want to since I got saved. And if I did want to, I'd be scared to. That's the fear of God. Amen? I'd be fearing that woman right there. She swings a mad frying pan. Praise God. Not really. She's she's very calm. Preachers have fed a generation alive easy believism. I was accused of having one, two, three salvation by a dear friend of mine. He's out of this church, matter of fact. And I said, Buddy, I don't believe in that. I believe in one, two, three, four. Number one, you're a sinner. Number two, the wage of sin is death. Number three is you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and be saved and you repent because of all the conviction that those verses bring you. It's not just one, two, three, repeat after me. It's one, two, three, I'm a sinner saved by the uh, lost and going to hell and I need Jesus Christ and I see the goodness of God that he came to this earth died for me took my hell took my place and I receive you into my life and I believe at that very moment you're born of the spirit say amen you're born of God you're born from above John chapter 3 in context and folks the last time I checked when you're born of something you're a new person amen you got new power you got new peace. You got a new convictor that lives inside of you. A resident. You even got a resident teacher. You talk about homeschool, praise God. I'm talking about hard school. I mean, the Spirit of God goes with you everywhere. And you can't do what you want to do and get away with it. You can't live like you want to. You're a new person in Christ. And folks, this third soul was, was not just a confused soul, but it was a cluttered soil. It was a cluttered mind. But I want you to see the last one real quick. I got eight minutes before it's seven. Don't mean I'm going to quit. but It's it's eight minutes before seven. I want you to see the cultivated mind. I want you to see the good soil. I believe a lot of you have been good soil. Y'all been here for a long time. I've been preaching here 8,000 sermons, 40 years. Y'all still here. I think some of y'all were here before I got here. You wanted to be here, and you're still here. And that's a sign of faithfulness. But I want to tell you something, folks. Verse 8 says this, And others fell on the good ground. That's one out of four. And did yield, what's the next word? Fruit. 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 That sprang up and increased and bought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. Now look at the translation of that, or the interpretation of the explanation of that, verse 20. It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. And bring, listen now, and bring forth, what's the next word? Fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Folks, some of the seed fell on good ground. That was the ground that had been worked. That was the ground that had been prepared. I don't think we have many farmers here, but it takes a lot of work to get the soil ready. And I want to tell you something, friend. The gospel plow will do the work. And the Holy Spirit can till anybody's soul. That's why you ought to turn people over to the Holy Ghost and pray for them every day because they can outmatch your wit, your presentation, your personality, and your uh, persistence, but they're no match for the Holy Spirit that starts convicting them. And, folks, this is a picture of a heart that's plowed by the Word of God and tilled by the convicting work of the Holy Ghost. I want you to turn to John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. John 16, 7 through 11. He's going away by the way of Calvary, but he's leaving a last message to his disciples in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. His prayers in the 17th chapter. But in the 16th chapter, he's teaching a last message. It's a very important one. He said, it's expedient that I go away. Verse 16 says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. You know what that's saying? When the Spirit of God comes in your life, it's forever. Listen to this. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but he knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That's why the goodness of God draweth man to repentance. When you see what Jesus did for you, you'll want to repent. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. What a comfort this is. Yet a little while, and the word seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And it says, In that day you should know that I am the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Then skip over to verse, that was chapter 14. I hope you enjoyed that. But look at verse 16. It says in verse 7. I mean it goes right along with amen I'll just make it fit The Holy Spirit will Nevertheless I tell you The truth It is expedient for you that I go away He's about to be crucified He's about to ascend After the resurrection For if I go not away the comforter will not come to you But if he depart I will send him unto you And when he has come He will reprove the world of sin Of righteousness And of judgment Sin because they believe not on me There's the sin that will send you to hell, Unbelief, No other sin. For righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. And of judgment, because I go to my Father and he see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. So, folks, the greatest comfort you can have is knowing that you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. As I told you about the little girl in Atlanta that has CIPA, C-I-P-A. Uh, genetic disease. She cannot feel pain. She cannot feel pain. And her mother every night prays, God help Ashley. No, it's Ashlyn. Ashlyn, feel pain. She can walk over a nail and not feel it. She can get burned. She can't feel it. And folks, I want to tell you something what you ought to pray for for your loved ones that they'd feel lost, that they'd be brought under Holy Ghost conviction that they're not really saved. Yes, they might be that cluttered soul. They might be that confused soul. They might even be that closed soul. And hope your children have not gone that far to be so hard to the gospel they don't want to hear it. But I want to tell you something, folks, what we need to pray for is that be cultivated soul. You know what that means? you got to do your part. you got to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. You've got to live right in front of them. And you need to let the love of God constrain them. And you need to be an example of love because I want to tell you something, folks. Love heaps coals of fire upon anybody, even your enemy, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. That's how I won my deity to the Lord. when I heard a sermon on how to win your loved ones to the Lord. Heap coals of fire upon them of love and mercy and grace. So, folks... Here's a picture of the one soul that was saved. How do you know there's the only soul that was saved? That other one looks like a backslider in about a week. Because the Bible says this is the only soul that brought forth fruit. And you'll know by their fruit who they are. You'll know by their fruit. I'm not very smart, but when I go to Florida, and I go down the road and I see a bunch of, trees with a bunch of round almost orange things I can I can really probably surmise that that is called an orange tree now if there was no fruit on that orange tree I wouldn't know that tree from a bumblebee no I wouldn't know that tree from a maple or a dogwood but I can see that fruit and say yep that's it that's, a, that's an orange tree And folks I want to tell you something you're kidding yourself if you think the world can just tell you're saved, or you're saved because you prayed a prayer, or you're saved because you signed a card, or you're saved because uh, you turned over a new leaf, I'll say this, friend: you need a new leaf. You don't need to turn one over. You need a new heart, and you can't get that through religion or rehabilitation, brother Larry. You must be born. Good works is called a fruit, Colossians 1.10. Holiness is called a fruit, Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Genuine character, spirituality is called a fruit, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. A burden for souls a fruit. Hey, if you're saved, you ought to care about other people being saved, Romans 1.13. Praise and thanksgiving is a fruit. There's nothing more sad than somebody shouting on credit. In other words, they amen and shouting and everything else. And you know Monday through Wednesday they got sin in their life and they're a hypocrite. What you need to do is keep your mouth shut. Because I'm going to tell you something, you're shouting on credit. Because folks, you ought to shout because you're not pouting because you're living for God. Say amen. Anybody can shout in church. I'll tell you where you ought to shout. Door to door and praise God in the darkest hour of your life. You ought to say, hey, I'll still trust the Lord. You might not be a shouter, but you don't need to be a powder. Amen. You don't look like you've been ba- you shouldn't go around looking like you've been baptized in persimmon juice and your mother-in-law's come to live with you. I said that one time and got in trouble by Susan Cox. She rebuked me for that. I'll never forget it. But I want to tell you this: there ought to be praise and thanksgiving as a fruit of the Spirit. Say amen. You do to work nothing up. Just let Jesus Christ be glorified through your life because you're saved, saved, saved. But some people look like they got over it and they're, little, they're trying to talk their neighbor out of it. I think Christians ought to smile more than any people in the world. They ought to look at you and say, what are you up to? I'm saying I'm up to heaven, amen. <laughs> as soon as the rapture takes place, we're the only people that can cry and smile at the same time. We're really schizophrenic. Praise God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's something, there's something to smile about when you're saved. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Then sharing material goods, Romans chapter 15, 27 through 28, is a fruit of the Spirit. He that hath an ear, let him hear, verse 10. Here's the conclusion. He said, and he said to them, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Let me ask you a question. Are you born of God? Are you really born of God? Well, turn to 1 John and we'll give you three birthmarks. Three birthmarks. I want to tell you something, friend. When you, I remember when uh, Stephen and Stephanie were born, Stephen got trans, trans I don't know what he got. he got. He got crossed. He got crossed, that's what he did. Stephanie came out okay, and they forgot to push old Stephen's head down. I'm not getting too explicit, am I? And uh, he was caught. His heart rate started going down. I started going down on my knees. I was in there with a little mask on. I couldn't breathe. Should have stayed out by the Pepsi machine out in the hallways. what I should have done, but I didn't. I said, I'm going to be a good father. And we thought we was losing him. We thought he was dying. Dr. Rich, he started putting that meter, you know, on Miss Connie, and the heart was getting lower and lower and lower. Finally, by a miracle of God, he turned him and he came forth and said, Hi, Dad. No, he didn't really. And uh, he, he came out. And, you know, I, 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 I looked very closely for a sign of life. And I so helped me. I thought he winked at me. And then all of a sudden, he bellowed out, I said, praise God, he's alive. That was a sign of life. And I believe when you're born again, you got some signs of life, amen? Not whining and screaming either. Look at 1 John 2.29. 1 John 2.29. I won't go over all seven of them, but I want you to see this. I think it'll bless your heart in closing. It's early. I never preach this 30 minutes. Try not to, ruin my reputation. Look at 1 John 2, 29. It says, Now little children abide in Him. Excuse me. If you know that that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Would you underline the word born of Him? What's born of Him? You do right. You just have the right spirit in your life. You want to do right. When you don't do right, it bothers you. And when if it don't bother you, it bothers the Holy Ghost in your life. And you say, oh my goodness, that's sin. And you ought to thank God for Holy Ghost conviction. Then look at 1 John 3, 9. I've already read that. Whosoever is born of God. Underline it. i got it highlighted. Born of God doth not commit sin. That means it's not habitual. Committing, 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 committing. Look at this. For the seed remaineth in him. That's the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost cannot sin because he's born of God. Twice in the same verse. It's born of God. If you're born of God, sin is an exception, not a profession. I want you to look at 1 John uh, 3, 14. This is my favorite. I can tell if you're saved. I can fruit inspect right now. Here it is, 1 John three fourteen. We know that we pass from death unto life. You pass from death, that's a great miracle, isn't it? You ought to know it. People ought to know it. It says, Pastor, death and life, because we, what? Love the brethren. He that, listen, he that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. Folks, if you do not love other people, mark it down. You're lost. You say, well, I don't like a lot of people. I didn't say anything about liking. I said loving. No, listen, listen. You ought to love God's people. You ought to love God's church. He gave himself for That's God's, not this building, each other. You ought to love being around people. I, I just love being around y'all. Hey Amen. I was so disappointed. Uh, Andrew started the prayer meeting about 10 minutes early. I was trying to get my wife up from a long nap, and she's sick. And I rushed in there at 15 after, and it was closing out, but I could tell old brother um, Randy was getting in. He was getting on. Uh, no, let me put it this way. He was in touch. God was using him by the Holy Ghost to pray. And I said, boy, I wish I, had, I wish I had missed this. Oh, my word. That sounded like a Holy Ghost prayer meeting going on, and I missed it. Don't you start early again. And I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. You ought to want to be around stuff like that. If the only thing you want to be around is the Georgia Bulldogs, you got problems. Just thought I'd throw that in. Dog fans. Maybe some of you Tide fans and you're just smiling like a possum looking at a new light. Hey, you ought to want to be around holy people, holy things of God. There ought to be a desire. There ought to be an appetite. And there ought to be an energy about your worship. I'm not trying to work up nothing. I'm just saying, you just love it. You love preaching. You love singing and singing. You love godly, Christ-honored music. You love it. You just love it. You know know why you love it? Because the lover lives in you. You know that you pass from death unto life. Before you were saved, sure you loved sin. Sure you loved darkness. Sure you loved the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That was your life. But when you got saved, praise God, there is a new lover in your soul. And you ought to yield to him to love through you and worship to him. And it shouldn't be forced. Some people look like they're forced to be here. You got rope burns around your neck, like I used to when my mother drugged me to church. (laughs) Not anymore. Christ is your life when you're saved. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. and I'll close. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ is born of God. That sums it up, don't it? But look at this. And everyone that loveth him that begoteth loveth him also that is begotten of him. Could I say that again? Could I read that again? It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. That means you love people that are saved. You love to be around them. You love the fellowship. That's why I want to tell you something. As Amos 3.3, I said to Amos 4.4 in the teacher meeting, I was wrong. It's Amos 3.3. How can two walk together unless they agree? Amen? That's good for marriage and dating. Boy, that was good. That was good. You'll never have a marriage worth a flip unless you're spiritually one. Amen, Brother Kyle. It's more than being married, it's spiritually one. You love the same one. You love the same book. You love the same church. You love the same uh, uh, fellowship. Say amen. Boy, marriage takes on a new meaning, takes on a new depth of. Shazam! Because two sinners can't ever meet each other's needs, but they die to self. Let the Holy Spirit try to outgive each other through each other. It's a wonderful marriage. By nature, you're a manipulator. By nature, you're selfish. But by the Holy Ghost nature, you're a lover and you're a giver. And You'll try to outgive your mate. Amen. You can sap your mate by trying to get significance from him, her, and security from him. I know you all have heard this before. Folks, you love him also that's begotten of him. But look at this, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Oh, there we go. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not what? Grievous. Whosoever believeth in God is born of God. He loves God. He loves others. But he loves the word. And he loves to obey the word. And it's not a chore. It's a joy. How's your fruit looking? Is it plastic? Is it drawn up from the sun? Is it rotten? Or is it fruit that abounds for God's glory? Brings you the Holy Ghost joy. These things I've spoken to you that your joy might be full and that your joy might remain. My joy might remain in you, and these things will abide in me. Abide in me, and I will be glorified. Folks, listen. The key is this: fruit. But I have seen some people make up a lot of junk, and I've seen people put up on a big show. I've seen people come to church looking like they wish they weren't here. And that's really hard to preach to. Mule looking at a new gate. And I pray to God one day you get up here and preach and everybody looks at you like that. I really do. I, I, I hate to be that way, but man, you deserve it. But friend, it ain't a chore. It's a joy. Holy Ghost makes it a joy before there's happiness there must be holiness and there's no way to be holy unless you're saved are you good soul? I believe you are but if you're not you're sitting in this church and you're a lost church member the first person on down this aisle brother Randy or in that parking lot getting saved ought to be you because friend there was four souls, and only one of them was saved. Let's pray, Father. It's been a joy to preach. I hope that people have enjoyed it as much as I have. Preached it, and thank you, dear Lord, for salvation. I know where I'd be if I wasn't saved. I'd be lost on the way to hell, and maybe in hell. God you reached down and touched my soul and convicted my heart as an 11 and a half year old on the center row of Wesley Hills Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. And Lord I changed from death unto life. I was born of God because that night oh that night because of some cultivation by a good godly cousin and a good godly mama my heart was soft, my soul was open, and the Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, used the sword of the word to pierce my soul, and you came in, and you abide in me, and Lord, I pray that there'll be fruit for your redounding glory for the rest of the days and years you give me. Lord, thank you for the privilege of bearing fruit for your glory.